Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Facebook Live. Welcome, those on YouTube. Welcome to The Reach for such a time as this. My name is AJ Daly. I'm the Northeast Youth Transition and Transition Ministries Director for the Church of God of Prophecy. And I am here this evening because the Lord placed on my heart a desire to have discussions around what's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic, to begin to talk about uh, the various concerns that we have as, as, as people, as, as a body of Christ, and what we as church leaders, as youth leaders, as pastors, as ministers, what we can do during this time, especially in social distancing, to really not only strengthen ourselves in the Lord, but bring a message of hope to those who need that message, especially those who have lost loved ones to this pandemic. I have with me two panelists. I have Dr. Joshua Henson. He's the lead pastor of Crossroads Church in Oklahoma, Florida. And we have Alric Douglas, who was the CEO of I Power. So I'm gonna have them introduce themselves, but before we do that, I'd like to start with a word of prayer. Lord, as I come before you right now, I lift you up and I magnify your name. I thank you, God, for who you are and all that you've done. Lord, even in the midst of this crisis, Lord, you are still moving. And Lord, my prayer, Lord, is that as we go through this panel discussion, as we discuss the topics and, 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 and have questions answered, Lord, I hope that we'll get strength. I hope that we'll gain encouragement, Lord God. And I hope that we'll have direction as to what we can do as the body of Christ, as the people of God, as leaders within the kingdom of God to help affect change during this time of crisis, to, be, to bring forth a message of hope and deliverance. Lord, I pray that you'll have your way and I give you the praise, honor, and glory. In your holy and precious name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 All right. So I'd like to first start with Dr. Henson. If you could just introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about yourself. Hey, everyone. Yeah, uh, Joshua Henson. Me and AJ go way back to, to the, the days of Regent University, a recent PhD uh, dissertation defended in AJ. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for having me on. Uh, with you guys tonight, and so I'm a I'm a full time pastor down in Ocala, Florida. So uh, on the down in Florida, a little rough spot right now, but we're here having a good time. Also work all, uh, of course in the the, uh, the academic world as well. And so I'm on both sides of this things. I'm I'm able to look at it from the biblical side, also look at it from the academic side, uh, but as well of course as just rubber meets the road as a pastor having to minister to our community. So man, I'm looking forward to our conversation this evening, and we just pray that it'll bless some people. Amen. Amen. Al, Alric, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, hey, Joshua. Nice meeting you. Hey, nice um, good, good. So um, my day job, I'm a school counselor. Um, so I work um, in elementary school. Um, we're involved in social and emotional um, learning experience for students. And um, my evening job is I'm the CEO of my um, company I Empower, where I do motivational speeches, um, program development, um, youth empowerment is what my business focus is all about. So I'm very glad to be here to share um, how these times can um, be navigated from a social and emotional perspective. All right, thank you. Okay, so we have a list of questions that we're going to ask, but we are connected both to Facebook Live and YouTube Live. So if you have any questions, drop it in the comments. We will see it 
and we'll be sure to address it. All right, so I wanna first just start off by um, just talking about our experience during this pandemic. So if we could each just uh, begin to just talk about um, sort of your experience as we've been going through this. We'll start with Dr. Henson. Yeah, oh, what an interesting time it is. Uh, the whole world's turned on its head in a matter of weeks. Um, and that's probably one of the most interesting things, both as uh, both from the academic perspective as well as from the uh, pastoral perspective. Church as we know it has completely changed. Uh, Man. It's kind of a, and to me, it's an exciting time, you know, especially if you believe in the last days, if you believe in the return of Jesus Christ. This is like the greatest time ever to be a believer. Um, but, you know, what's happening, though, is I'm seeing so many people stretched. And, and uh, there, there's this, this tension, though, that they, between faith and excitement to see what God's doing, but also also the, the, the fear that, that is so easily uh, to grip our hearts. And so you're, you're having to both challenge yourself in the faith while simultaneously have that innate fear of not knowing what's going to happen. And so uh, it's a different time right now. And, you know, the churches are changing the way we do church, the way we communicate to one another. Uh, the way we even interact with each other, you know, there's no more hugging, uh, hugging and holding hands and uh, none of that now, you know, this is, this is the way we do life. And so, uh, but it, it's, it's a, a, I would just call it a tension right now. And if we could figure out how to minister in the time of tension between faith and fear, I think we'll, we'll be able to move forward uh, very well. I would agree. All right. Alric. Yeah. yeah. So I really, I'm, um, I agree with what, um, Pastor Joshua was saying, um, it's really um, a, diff a different time we're in right now. And uh, the harsh reality is that we can't go back to what was. Um, a lot of what's going on right now would change with the information we're now gathering, with the access we don't have the information of, of how to mitigate pandemics for future um, happenings. Now the world will start earlier than we did in 1918 to put in, in place infrastructure and technological changes to help us advance ourselves in the future so we don't find ourselves where we are today. So I think where we are right now is a pivotal place and it's very important that all stakeholders, churches, academic world, um, you know, business, the marketplace, we're all changing now in how we navigate customers and create people and you know and the academic world through the online platform so i think aj when you um share this vision with me i real i think it was very very um necessary for where we're at right now and i'm just excited that i'm able to you know navigate this conversation together because um you know when i go to school and i um work with my students now it's different you know a few weeks ago we were in the hallway saying hi to each other now i'm doing counseling from in my bedroom and having mindfulness sessions from my bedroom and helping students to stay alive emotionally you know yeah. and it's not easy but we're getting through it it's changing yeah yeah so i'll give my perspective so right before the outbreak right before the pandemic i experienced my first tornado so i was you know scared about that you know scripture talks about having great earthquakes and you know diverse things happening in the last days and then right after is the pandemic so in my mind i'm thinking lord is it time <laughs> so that was my first instinct and then you know you have to remain strong and remain positive and encourage you know with my wife and my kids so i you know started to offer encouragement saying that you know the it'll get better you know they're just making the proper precautions that we need to take to be safe 
And to be honest, when the when the pandemic first occurred, I began to think, and I'm a little odd in my thinking. You know, most people will think about the lives that could be lost and everything. And I was thinking about that, but I began to think, Lord, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And please let me align with it. I know it sounds a little crazy, right? You want to, your, your first concern, you know, is about your family and your friends and your loved ones. But I was really concerned about, you know, God is moving. You know, he has everything under his control, even in the midst of this pandemic. So the question I really was just asking myself is, Lord, what are you doing and how can we be a part? So mm-hmm. that's the question that I had. And as I've been going through, you know, it's been over a month now, at least since we've been you know, socially distancing and staying at home. And as I've been praying and spending time with the Lord, he really placed upon my heart the need to really have these kind of discussions to begin to talk about, you know, what we're experiencing, how we're feeling, and also just to have advice and encouragement from leaders, um, from those in the body of Christ and within other industries that could, you know, just help us during this time. So with no further ado, I'm going to go into the first question. So the first question is, what do we believe God is saying during this time of isolation? What do we believe that God is saying during this time of isolation? Alric, I'll start with you this time. Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, so something um, I am um, in my background, I also um, work with students who were at risk of going in the juvenile system. And um, so I spent a lot of my time trying to help them not to get there. Right. Um, and in my studies, I've found that isolation sometimes is a birthplace for people to come alive mm-hmm. with creative imaginations and um, ideas that they never thought um, they could have um, conjured in the free world. Because it seems as if sometimes freedom or the traffic it brings um, sometimes distract us from, from ideas and talents that are truly in us. And so Sadly, some people go to prison or go in the juvenile system, and that's where they find their true self because the isolation gives them a time for evaluation. And I believe um, in this season, that's what's going on in the world. I think this isolation is giving us a lot of time to look at where we have been and to evaluate. So churches are evaluating now how they did their services. Schools are evaluating how they deliver the curriculum. You know, businesses are evaluating how they have engaged their customers. And so I think that this isolation, you know, is giving us an opportunity to do true examination and come alive with our creative ideas and inventions. Dr. Henson. Hey, hey, I like that already. That's that's really good stuff. Because, you know, when you're talking about this idea of isolation, my first thought was how uh, Richard Foster talks about solitude being one of our spiritual disciplines. Uh, you mm-hmm. see in the life of Jesus where he would get alone so that God could speak to him. And, and so it's it, we there is so many distractions all around us up until a few days ago. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. the distractions have disappeared. Yeah. What mattered a month ago no longer matters anymore. And it's it's yeah. a, and, and so the word that come to my mind, when I was reading through the questions was the word priorities. I think we see a shift in priorities. Uh, What what mattered to us no longer matters. You know, in the church world, of course, you know, it was all about buildings and programs. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. now our buildings and our programs no longer matter. Uh, We're all on the same ground again as it relates to that. Even in in our schools, again, it was all about, you know, 
all the different programs and the football teams and, and you know, and what, what kind of club could you be in and these kinds of things. And all of that disappeared in an instant. And, and so what I do see is a recentering, though, uh, uh, around family in the mm-hmm. household, which I yeah. really love. Uh, because it's it's an opportunity where families for so long have been scattered. You see, you know, everybody's doing their own thing. It, it's calling. It's really an opportunity to call our parents back to our children and our children yeah. back to our our our, our parents. And yeah. be yeah. that foundation of scripture, the church was built off of family. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it may be an opportunity for us to now kind of shift back to the original biblical model of it being about the household, about about mothers and and fathers leading their children or grandparents leading their children or whatever it may be uh, into into biblical principles and moral principles. And so I'm loving this idea that maybe we're actually re uh, there's a shifting that can take place in our society again to get us back Amen. to our priorities or where they need to be. Amen. Yes. Yep. Yep. So I think there's two things that came to mind. The first thing I thought about was and I don't want to use the word isolation, but I'm reminded of, you know, John the Revelator, right? When he was on the island of Patmos, when God gave him the book of Revelations. So the first thing I thought was during this time where we are not out physically socializing with everyone as we're used to, that God mm-hmm. is taking this time, one, for repentance, one, to get close to him and to really hear, you know, you know what he is doing in this time and what he wants us to do as the people of God. And then the second thing I thought was church can't be the same, right? If, if, you know, we've heard preachers talk about it. We've we've heard it, you know, in tags on Instagram and on Facebook about, you know, no ordinary church. Church can't be the same anymore. And we've we've heard that said time and time again. And literally God just disrupted what we are used to as church, right? We're not congregating in a physical building with each other now and now pastors who were complete. I remember encouraging pastors to go on social media and to do live streaming and things. And, and it was not something that they wanted to do. And now you don't have a choice. Yeah. If you want to still have church, you have to yeah. use social media. You have to use the technology that's been provided for us. So God has literally disrupted the way we're used to church. And I, 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 I sense, you know, Dr. Henson, you talked about a shift. I do see that a shift is taking place and something new is happening. And we now have to awaken and realize that we can't do things the same anymore. Yeah. The way we connected mm-hmm. can't be the same anymore. You know, at once, you know, every Sunday or on Wednesday Bible studies or when you have youth service, that was the time you connected with everyone. Now it has to be a constant thing, whether through social media, whether through phone calls, texting, we have to change the way that we're, you know, connecting and reaching each other. So that's one thing that I see is happening. Hey, and AJ, I want- can I add something real quick here, man? Yep. You know, yep. What I, what I think is interesting is there's a danger, though, for leaders not to want things to go back to normal, that mm-hmm. the, the worst thing we can do when all this does finish, whatever that means, is yeah, yeah. To just go back into the the rut that we had already created. Yeah, um, so I think the, the leaders are going to have to be able to have the courage not to want things to go back to normal, uh, to to allow God to keep the shift instead of becoming an obstacle and just take take this new normal that's being created and maximize it. Uh, we do not want it to be like it was a month ago because there was a lot of problems. We don't remember those problems. You know, we forget about some of the negative stuff. You know, we just think about the good stuff, but right. all the obstacles have been destroyed. So why would we rebuild them? 
you know, why would we rebuild the walls that God has torn down? So, man, yep. I, and, um, I actually want to celebrate um, those pastors who um, who were doing live streaming before this all began, and um, who took the risk of um, you know changing the platform in, the, in before we got to this place. Um, you know, I um, I was watching um, this um, pastor um, who I'm connected to where he did something very creative and you know, he asked his members to reach out to the older people um, in the church and um, help them to get on Facebook. And I had to do that for uh, someone who was connected to myself. You know, I, I took it from his platform and I, I said, wow, you know, for, for real, we have to empower our members or young people who are advanced in technology to bring the older people in. It's not because sometimes, sometimes it's not because they are like anti-technology, but in reality, they haven't been, they weren't growing up in that framework. And so yeah. by the time they got to the iPhone and all this stuff, you know, they were already near retirement. Like who want to go back to learn all these things all over again? So we have an opportunity now to teach um, you know, the older people with grace and with compassion where we are right now, not, tr not understanding their limitations and their deficits. And I'll we'll bring that message to them very delicately, like, guess what? Let me help you. Let me download the app from your phone. Let me help you log, log into Facebook. Let me set your safety. And then you're worried about your privacy. Let me help you get through this. So now when we're in this place, maybe we're losing that population because you know of where they are, they're not able to access technology. So I celebrate the pastors who have been pioneering this before we got to this place. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And you know, one of the things that you know, with businesses and with church organizations, those who are doing it before, you know, with with the company I work for, they already had Zoom and those things that we were using. We were already used to remote working. And for businesses that were not used to that, they now have to either catch up or fall behind. And it's the same thing with, with church. You know, if you're, if you're not on, then I would, I would encourage you to find a way to get on and uh, begin to continue to bring forth the gospel message. So I want to point out, um, we are watching the comments in both Facebook and on YouTube. So if you have questions, be sure to drop them in the comments and we'll be sure to respond. I want to go to another question. The next question would be, what advice would you give youth or young people who are now home 24-7? What advice would you give them? I'll start with you, Dr. Henson. Okay. If I could just give them one advice, this is the greatest opportunity to lay down your cell phones, your technology, and reconnect with your parents. Uh, you know, the reality of the matter is our parents are so busy. So many people are, are just have been so busy for so long. It's an opportunity just to reconnect. Um, and because and, and, that's the greatest thing we can do at this point is realize who matters in our lives and, and reconnect with the people who matter to us. And, and if we could find a way to reconnect with people who matter to us in a, in a tangible way. And so we may not be able to connect physically with people outside of our homes, but we have the greatest opportunity ever to physically and emotionally and spiritually and relationally connect to the, the people who matter the most to us. And those are the people we live with. Amen. All right. Al, bring it to you. Um, social and emotional background, right? Um, I, I, I believe also that um, I will, I will go um, a little direct, different direction faster and I'll issue a warning to the young people. Um, understand now the danger of being alone right um while, while we have people in our home 
sometimes because that wasn't how, um, how we, we integrate in that home setting. I realized that when I talk to parents, their kids are still locked away in the room. So we, we want them, um, as Pastor Joshua said, to, be, to build a better community in their home. But I realized, uh, based on my experience working with young people, that that's a hard place to come to because that's not how the family system was established. Mom and dad were out working. They were coming in from school. And by the time they get home, they get a shower in their bedroom, start home or school for the night. So now you have that maximum time for yourself, you know, the potential of, you know, going off into the unknown places that you weren't accessing so freely um, on your cell phone and on the internet, you know, you have to now set parameters. When am I too much in this technology? You know, when am I, too, if I find myself, you know, on my cell phone 20 hours for the day and sleeping only four hours, you know, uh, that means I'm in an unhealthy place. How am I able to check myself? Like, you know, am I, you know, on Snapchat for too long? Can I set timelines? So like, you know, make a schedule, make your life become more meaningful than just be absorbed by technology. Make a schedule that functions that you have social interaction, right? You know, you have emotional interaction. You're doing, you know, something that's mindful, like, you know, sharing with somebody how much you care about them, you know, going outside and take a walk if you can safely. You know, um, do more stuff than just stay inside your home because um, from an emotional perspective, that is going to set off chemical warfare, right? And and even though we're in church and sometimes church don't want to talk about these things and, you know, think about it. Young people were in the system where um, they were in school with all these hours and they go to football training, they come home tired, they're not so sleepy, now they're bored. They're now dealing with temptations of pornography. They're dealing with um, going, um, you know, all these kind of other interaction, maybe gambling, you know, all these things. And they're seeing more of stuff that they wouldn't have access to in their business. So I would encourage young people, monitor your freedom, because as the Bible says, they won't use your freedom as an occasion to the flesh. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with both of you. Uh, I would say this is a time of strengthening. Uh, along with Dr. Henson, this is a time to strengthen the relationship with your family. You know, a lot of times, especially in those teenage years, I remember being a teenager, not wanting to be around my parents and, and wanting to sort of isolate myself from them. Now you have no choice but to be around your family 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> this is a time to get to know them, learn about them, you know, what experiences they had growing up. This is an, a, a, a clear opportunity for that. And I also think this is a time of strengthening yourself spiritually. Uh, spending time in the word, spending time with God. Think about it. Before, when you were at school and everywhere else, you had to deal with peer pressure. Now you don't. You don't have to be on social media or texting your friends. You can literally take time to spend time in God's word and strengthen yourself. So when we get out of this time of social distancing and you're back at school or, or wherever you are, you'll be strengthened enough where when those you know things come towards you, when peer pressure comes towards you, You'll, you'll be grounded, you know, you'll be have a foundation in the word of God and be strengthened. And I want to then segue into the next question, because uh, Alric, you started to talk about it a little bit. Um, if we have young people who are struggling with depression or struggling with, say, pornography, what advice would you give them? Because now they're home 24-7, right? Most of the time, you know, if young people are, are dealing with those things, it's times of isolation when they're alone. And now they're in a point where they're alone, where they're home Maybe not alone, but home all the time. So what yeah. advice or encouragement would you give them? I'll start with you this time, Alric. Well, like in um, you know, um, you know, it's 
building strong communities, right? So like, um, I, I always say that not, not because you have your the ultimate freedom means that um, everything that your free mind tells you to do, you will access, right? So um, recently I was doing um, a Zoom session with a trainer from California, and I didn't realize that there were so many things that we could do um, from on, through Zoom, right? So we were doing like card games and we we're doing all these other activities. Um, we we're able to, um, you know, like host a, a party um, per se, like um, do reflections, right? Um, where we can just, you know, talk with each other and check out, right? And I realized that, um, you know, the Zoom app also gives you the opportunity to have what you call breakout rooms. So we can have, you know, different topics being discussed and we can be in and out of each other's um, atmosphere and virtually and so connecting one platform. So I would encourage young people to set up creative conversations, right? You know, have parameters where you know, I'm going to talk about this with that with, with this group of people, right? And then you know, I'm going to also have my friends where I can talk about video game with. I'm going to go and I'm going to go hang out with my people you know, who can do cooking. You know? um, so it's a good time for you to tap into your creative self. Don't be stuck in the one element, you know, spread your time around different people so you don't get stuck in one kind of conversation. I like that. I like that. Dr. Henson? Well, man, when, when you when I read through these questions and, you know, I did not even consider pornography at all throughout this entire process. I mean, it didn't even cross my mind as, as a, a major issue that we could face in isolation. And uh, it's real. And, and even depression, both of these are, are two significant issues. Um, you know, I think a few things I, I, th I think about right off the bat is, you know, we got to walk outside. Mm -hmm. Deal with depression. The first way is if you're stuck in a closed room or a closed house and you don't see the sun, it's the whole idea that your environment dictates your attitude so often, you know, just mm -hmm. the sun's still shining. Uh, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're reading, if you're watching the news or social media the whole time, you'll get discouraged and depressed. And uh, But if you'll recognize that, hey, you know, the sun's still shining, the birds are still chirping, it's all good, you know, to get out of that that a little bit. And, and there's links between the use of social media and technology and depression already. And it's not good. They're not good studies, not good links. Mm -hmm. um, and so, we cannot allow ourselves, and I think uh, Auric mentioned it earlier about the idea of being uh, regulating your time. Uh, that is, a, you want to battle depression. If you stay on your computer uh, for for sixteen to eighteen hours a day, and that's all you do, you are just uh, just tunneling yourself into a hole. You've got to get out, and you have to regulate. And so, I think this is a great opportunity for parents that are listening to still regulate their children's screen time. Now, just because mm -hmm. they're not in school. Uh, this is still a good opportunity now to still say, hey, listen, I don't want to allow you to be on your your, your phone till two o'clock in the morning. And, and as it relates to issues like the gambling and the pornography or yeah. texting people, you shouldn't be texting. That still falls into that case as well. You know, I, I remember hearing a study years ago that talked about this. And, and, the, and the man was, was dealing with a, a pornography addiction. He said, I just had to learn how to turn my computer off when I was alone. Yeah. Something mm -hmm. so simple when I'm around people. You know, and that's one thing, but, you know, sitting at long, bad things happen in the dark, bad things happen late at night. You know, yep. if you can, we can regulate these things and understand that that's the temptation of the enemy. And yes. if you think you're predisposed to those types of things, go ahead and set up some accountability in your own life. And, and, and here's the really challenging thing. Don't be afraid to talk to your parents about this, yes. and, you know, to say, listen, I'm, I'm concerned that I'm having this issue. I'm concerned that mm -hmm. having these temptations 
Um, can right. you help me be accountable to myself and to you so that I can have someone to help me? Because that's a, that's something that'll be with you after this is over. Any addictions that you begin today, any bad, any bad habits you have now are going to live with you long after coronavirus is gone. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be very careful. And so that's a challenge both to parents and to our young people not to allow bad habits to form. We can either transform our lives for the good or, or transform our lives for the bad. And I'm hoping people will transform their lives for, for the good through good, good behavior. So this is a very important thing to be talking about. AJ, I'm really thankful for it. Amen. Amen. AJ, one of our streamers are asking the question, um, how do you put your faith over your feelings in this situation? It's a good question. I believe that was from Emmanuel. Yeah, Emmanuel Hans. Yeah. So what I would say is in terms of putting your faith over feelings, there's a scripture um, that the Apostle Paul said, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. He said, those things which are just, those things which are true, those things which are of good report, focus on those things, think on those things. Um, to be honest, there's a part of us where we're going to be in our feelings. And sometimes it's good to explore that because that sometimes brings revelation. But at the end of it, you, you have to focus on positive things, scriptures, affirmations, encouragement, encouraging yourself. Um, sometimes it's good to turn off social media, turn off the news because sometimes it's very depressing to be quite frank. Yeah. And it's good to, um, turn those things off you know, spend time in the Lord, spend time reaffirming and encouraging yourself, you know, get, gaining, I call it confidence, gaining confidence from your relationship with God, you know, and, and to align even with those who may be struggling with, you know, depression or pornography or those things. And the same thing, if, you know, you're, you're in your feelings in those situations, reach out and connect with someone, yeah. not yeah. just because what I've noticed with young people oftentimes is when they're really struggling, they'll put cries out on social media. They'll have a very mm -hmm. questionable Facebook post or Instagram post yeah. where your folks will be like, what's going on? My recommendation is connect with someone, FaceTime, Skype, a Zoom call, call someone on the phone, your pastor, your youth pastor, a relative mm -hmm. that's in the body of Christ and begin to talk and connect with them. A lot of times just connecting with people, you know, in social media, it's great because we can see what each other is doing. We can see their posts, their pictures, but that's not a real connection. Right. Mm -hmm. Talking with someone, having a conversation, that establishes a real connection. And a lot of times having those connections really helps because even if sometimes they just help you to understand your own thoughts and come to a place, a good place, a good conclusion where you'll, you know, have a resolute self, you'll be resolute inside of yourself and be confident that you can go on. You know, so I'm going to pass that question on as well to hear from both yeah, of you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tap in a little bit on that um, for Emmanuel. And I think Emmanuel, that's a good question. Um, saying about it, um, you know, um, based on my work that I do with young people, I realize that um, one of my winning strategy is that I'm not afraid to talk about it. Mm, right. Like it. Um, so um, when, when I'm talking to a, a gender, whatever it is, I... I, I make them be comfortable. We're going to talk about the body part in his name. We don't say body parts. We're going to call the body part what it is, right? Yeah. And I realized that, um, when we're able just to be not raw but real, right? Yeah. People understand that you know you're not like a center um, and, and coming back down here to realize that these things are really happening. And if um, as adults and um, older seniors could be real honest, the issue of the flesh has always been the humanity. Um, 
Mm. And what happened is that um, when Adam recognized that he was in his feelings, he went into hiding, right? And I think that's what happens with us as humanity. When we recognize that we're going through sexual struggles, when we recognize that we're feeling these desires, what happens is that we tend to go into hiding, right? And we don't mm. want to talk about it, right? Because we feel shame, right? And sometimes shame allows us to be distant from people who can really help us. And I think that those who have gone through it, those who have been victorious, now have that power to re relieve themselves of their shame and go to these young people and say, you know what, I've been here. You know, and if you have messed up and got delivered, be okay to tell them, you know what, I messed up too. You know what I mean? When I was your age, I fell too, but God gave me grace and he pulled me up. And now that you pull me up, these are the things I've kept winning with thereafter. And sometimes if our young people can see us um, coming down to that level and showing them that, guess what, I get it, you know? And I understand the Snapchat private parties are happening. I know people are going to private parties. I know everything is not coming in the open. We have private chat rooms. They have private this, private that. And if you can't say to the person, I've been there, or I know someone who has been there, and this is what they use, mm. then you're just talking scriptures over their head, and you're pushing your theology over their head, right? You know, yeah. yeah. It's like the Bible says that we do not have a high priest with a touch with a feeling of our infirmity. You know, what I mean, that gives humanity hope and assurance that when you pray to God, that God, I'm feeding my flesh. You say, I've been there. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. All right, Doctor Henson, I'll pass it on to you. Yeah, I, I thought about when, when the question was was um, posed, I, I immediately thought about the difference between faith and fear, right? That That's tension that we were talking about earlier. Fear is a feeling. It really is. But when we, I thought, started thinking about how the scriptures teach us that perfect love casts out all fear, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I think about the other part of scripture that fear has its torments. That's mm -hmm. feeling that we're tormented by by our fear. But when you understand love, love is not a feeling. Love is really about commitment and trust. Yes. And so if we if we can place our trust back in God first and foremost, and that's where it begins. And then mm -hmm. we also reestablish our trust in our in, in the home, in, in our families, and in those relationships that matter the most to us, it's going to help us with fear. Like I thought the greatest thing you said was talk it out. Mm. Yeah. To be able to be willing to be authentic and transparent with one another, to be able to say, listen, I'm I'm struggling with this. You know, I, I recorded my Easter sermon uh, earlier this week, and I was very honest with the people. And I, even on a Wednesday night Bible study, I said, listen, I had to come to grips with fear the other day walking through Publix grocery store. You know, I'm walking through our supermarket, and I've been feeling up this entire time. I guess, oh, this is no big deal. We'll be all right, you know. And and it, there's just this moment that it, it just grips your soul. And so the question is, how do we respond to those feelings? We can either allow it to consume us or we can communicate it, right? Yeah. And so it's when you it's when you communicate it, you actually release it. And, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, when you build trust with other people and build trust with God, you know, when we pray to God, we don't need to we, we have got to get out of this. If we're changing the church, changing faith, start talking to God like you would talk to your own father, right? Hey God, I am just man, I'm dealing with some major issues right now. My this is what I'm facing. Here, 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 here. You know, you don't have to quote scripture. You don't have to go King James on anybody. You can just talk to God, you know, and communicate it. Because what I have found in my life is when I communicate my feelings, I'm no longer a prisoner to those feelings. Yes. Yeah. I release myself and I release and I and then I also then have to trust other people 
uh, to speak into my life. It's almost it's, it's an invitation to allow others into my own own problem. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to go to the next question, and this question is: What is the calling of the church during this time? What do you think the calling of the church is during this time? I'll start with you, Dr. Henson. All right. Uh, yeah. So you know, when when you think about this. Um, You'll notice everything I, I do revolves around, in my estimation, the core of the church, which is the household of family. And I, I believe the calling of the church at this point is to re-empower families. You know, we have become a pastor-driven, program-driven uh, faith for a long time. Uh, we, we can say we can say we're Protestants versus what other movements have done, but the reality of the matter is we have become a church-driven faith to where our faith is in church. You know, our, our God is in going to the church or God is in hearing a pastor preach or taking a snippet off of Facebook and saying this is this is church. So I think what the callings at this point is to re-empower people to be the priesthoods of their own, the priest of their own faith, you know, mm, yeah. to go to God, to manage their own faith, to to pray, to to create those places of spiritual disciplines in their lives, to to strengthen themselves in, in the faith. You know, because I think we have lost that we have the church has become a crutch a spiritual crutch for so long. You know, we've preached this for years. You know, I remember when I was a kid, what would happen if the government shut our churches down? Now, listen, I don't believe the government has shut our churches down. I know there's some people out there that are going crazy about that kind of stuff. I don't I don't fall in that category. But what happens when you can't go to church on Sundays? What kind of faith? If your faith is based off of a Sunday morning experience, what are you going to do when the Sunday morning experience disappears? You know, what are you going to do with the, the praise teams disappear and, and the atmosphere and the lights and all that go away. And I think that's the message in the call of the church is to remind people that they are the priest of their own faith, that Jesus has given them everything they need to go before God and, and to and to re receive salvation, to receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And if we can if we start there, man, there's a revival that's going to take place that, you know, when you read. When you re-empower people to take their faith again, what could happen if we get back to the grassroots again? You know, I almost feel like maybe it's been because we've been spoon-feeding believers for so long that we have actually been limiting their potential. Mm. We have placed a lid upon them to where they can't they can't go any further because we told them they can't go. You know, you haven't taken the church growth classes, you haven't done growth track, you haven't you haven't yeah. done the discipleship courses, all yeah. that out the window. You can get as close to God as you absolutely want to get. You know, you can become the greatest believer you want to become now. There's no nothing going to hold you back. And, mm -hmm. and yeah. the empowerment of people again, back to the grassroots, back to the families again. That mothers mm -hmm. and fathers leading their children, grandparents leading their grandchildren. What, what a powerful thing can happen. It's, it's the it's the Philipp, book of Philippians living lived out, you know, where the Philippian jailer, you know, here he was about to, to kill himself over over what was happening, and, and God turns that situation and an entire household becomes saved. Mm. We're back to that crisis moment that whole households had an opportunity the other day to baptize an entire household. Wow. With water over their head because they we couldn't do, you know, immersion or anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People are hungry for something real, and it starts on the household level. Amen. Al? All right. Yes. So, Pastor John, you're amazing. Um, <laughs> great, um, great points. Um, I, um, I, I, I also look um, at where we're at right now, the church, 
and I realized um, when I look at, uh, on the um, the composition of clergy um, in today's society, I realized that there is a, a gross absence of young people um, being a part of leadership in church. Mm. And I think that that is um, an, a, an avenue where we lost contact with the help that could have been given to us um, as leaders in churches from the generation that's behind us, right? Um, you know, it's like how many of, of how many pastors are able to trust that? You know what? I know he's 18 years old, but I want to let him become the director of my media um, or you know or my um, quality control person. And I, you know, um, and I, I realized I've watched a lot of Facebook um, videos these past two weeks. And I realized a lot of pastors who have major churches um, who were not um, allowing young people to grow in that capacity of technology are now struggling with poor lighting, and the poor streaming quality. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all these kids are at their house. They know how to be on three different places at the same time. They were sitting there with all the technology yeah. and they were also sitting in your church. They were right there in your church with all this knowledge and all this um, um, opportunity to lead a church in a new direction. And I see now, I wonder how many pastors are after this are going to reevaluate their their clergy and see how they can bring in now in that avenue some young people, you know, to make them pastor of media and make them find find some titles that are going to be relevant to the to, just in case the church has have to break away again. Because what happens now is that, you know, all we see now is one man, the pastor of the church. Mm -hmm. We don't see the clergy rising up in delivering weekly messages. You know, we only see the pastor doing this from his iPhone or from his, you know, his, his, his home office. We don't see a massive breaking out of young people driving the message of the church forward. They're spending so much time on their Instagram. They're spending so much time on their Snapchat. They're on TikTok. We should have like videos of our church service on TikTok. On Snapchat, on YouTube, on Instagram, Amen. but the church lost an opportunity now to carry the message to that generation because we didn't let them become a part of our clergy. Amen. So, for my doctoral dissertation, I did it on succession planning in nonprofit and faith-based nonprofit organizations. And one of the key things that I found, one of the number one things that's needed for nonprofit and faith-based nonprofit organizations, is talent management. Talent mm -hmm. management. Within the church, we have a body of talent, of, of a massive body of talent within our young people. And a lot of times we don't utilize it. You know, um, I've done, you know, workshops on, on the millennial generation and where are they in the church? And, you know, now even the younger generation, we're starting to see them slip away as they get older. And yeah. they have gifts, they have talents, and they want to be utilized. But we have not been utilizing them. And to be honest, now, is a greater time as any to begin to utilize those talents. We have pastors who are not, you know, adept and know social media and know how to do those things, but they have people within their body, young people, that they can connect with and they can help to bring forth the gospel message. So I think that's one of the key things that during this time that the church can specifically do. And I think mm -hmm. even going forward, this is something that should continue to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reason why organizations die, the reason why churches die is because we don't succession plan. We don't manage our talent. We have young people with enormous talent and potential and we don't utilize them and they get into the world and the world finds a way to use their talents and they use it for the world instead of for the kingdom of God. 
Right. We need to leverage those talents that the young people have. And I think that it's my encouragement to pastors, to, to leaders, to really reach out to the young people. You know, the same thing with youth pastors, reach out to your young people, you know, ask them, what can we do during this time? You know, the pastors trying to bring forth a message on Sundays, the pastors trying to bring forth a Bible study. How can we help our pastor bring forth that message? What can we do? You know, sometimes it just, it's, it's, it's a, the young people and the youth leaders stepping up and it's also senior leaders and pastors stepping up as well and coming together and providing solutions during this time. Good. Right. Good. Again, if you have any questions, we are reading through the comments on both Facebook and YouTube. So be sure to drop a question in the comment and we will be sure to answer it. I'm going to hop to another question. And another question that we have is along the same lines, what can young people, what can the youth do to effectively minister during this time? Right. Youth ministry still has to go on. Right. Um, you still have to minister to the youth. So how can we as youth leaders, how can we effectively minister during this time? What are things that we can do? So I'm going to first start with you, Dr. Henson. Oh, boy, that's a hard one, man. And, and it really is because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not super old, but I'm old enough at this point. I realize my youth pastor tells me all the time that I'm, I'm a little up there in age at 38 years old, you know, and he's 22 or 23. Um, I have no desire to be on Instagram at this point. I'll stick with Facebook and YouTube um, and, and TikTok. My kids do it all the time. And I'm like, this is annoying. So, you know, so it's not my thing. But so, you know, you, young people, though, that's where they're at. You know, it's kind of interesting. We, we're using Facebook at, as our, at our church. We're using Facebook Live, not for the young people. It's for the seniors and, and the, the middle-aged people. My, at, simultaneously, my youth pastor is having to be on Instagram and Snapchat to minister to the, uh, to the, the young people because they're just simply not on Facebook. Uh, that's, that's a reality that the church needs to understand that Facebook is no longer for um, our young people. And so we have to reach them where they are. Um, you know, what's interesting, here's a great tool, and I think this is good for everyone listening. I believe just about every student now should have a Zoom account. I believe because of this, everyone has a Zoom account. It's downloaded on every device. And and uh, I told our youth pastor the other day, my daughter was saying, hey, I think we should meet as a youth group on Zoom. My daughter said that. She's, she's 11 years old. And, and so uh, we're doing that now. I said, yeah, they all have accounts. They're all set up. And so the school system has now provided us an, in, uh, uh, an, an instrument or a tool by which we now can even engage our young people uh, that, that we did not. They weren't using Zoom very often a month ago. Right. And, mm -hmm. and now we can bring them together. And so it's a new device. It's a new way. And so I think maybe as from a again, I'm, I'm, I'm the senior pastor because I'm the old guy now. So um, somehow that happened. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> You go from one day you're the young guy to the next day you're the old guy. It just happens, you know. Yeah. Um, but but as from youth pastor perspectives, re, they need to reevaluate re the tools that are at their disposal now because it's not only Instagram and Snapchat any longer. All our kids yes. are now adept on new. Really, it's kind of funny. It's on business devices. It's not yep. you know it's not social media devices. It's now business devices. And so, so it's a good opportunity to learn new devices. And I, I think Zoom is perfect for youth groups. Like you said, break out into, break out into the sessions with the breakout groups, and it's a wonderful opportunity, man. Yeah, it is great. It's good. That's yeah. Good. Um, sure. Um, so I, um, 
I always walk with this tagline, um, Dr. Henson, that a leader is not a lid, right? Exactly. A leader is not a lid, right? And that's very important for a message to be transferred to your young people so they can understand that that's not who you are. So you shouldn't be honest with them like, hey, I'm your pastor, but I'm not your lid. If yeah. you ever knew of anything that can help us in this church to do better at what we do, come and tell me. You know, um, it's it, it, when most businesses have opened their policies, it makes workers become so comfortable because they don't feel shut out of management planning. And when we have um, business meetings, there's no young people sitting at the board you know, in the churches to have any voice in the conversations. And this is a learning place. I'm not bashing churches, but now we're here, we have to plan forward, right? Um, yeah. And so it's very important for us to understand that we need a young agenda, a person in different generations at our table to help us to understand, right? And and that also, we're understanding that yesterday I was working with um, a group of young men who I'm developing spiritually, and we had our, our prayer meeting through Zoom, right? And um, they said to me at the end of the prayer meeting that I can't wait for you to come back and do this with us again. I said, uh-uh, I can't wait to come back to hear you do this with me again. Nice. And I said, next, like week, next week, you're gonna be in charge. And I, and I appointed one of the young men to come prepared next week for us to have our session together. Mm -hmm. Immediately, I released the lid that this is not about my spirituality, my title, my influence. I want you to, I want to, transfer this opportunity to you now to me in, into what your generation needs and sometimes that's a vulnerable place that most pastors are not willing to go because it sometimes risk losing their sense of identity or power or influence but a leader is not a lid you have to let the young people come and inform you of what the needs are and when you look at what you can offer them you know if we need to go on a progression plan Pastors can say, okay, then I don't have the resources in the budget right now to buy all this technology. I can't get all the lights on the stage. I can't get all the cameras you want in the back. But let me know what we can start with right now. Let's give, give them a budget. Let, let, let the young people go and shop for you. They, can, they know what's going on out there. They can, they can go on, on websites and see all of the latest things, all of the def eye definition, what gives proper lighting. Because trust me, if you ask how many of your young people wish they could become a YouTube star, Everybody's yeah. gonna be up. Everybody wants to be on YouTube. Everybody wants to get likes. Everybody wants to have views. Everybody wants to get you know following. You know, people are posting pictures from they were babies just to get following on on, on Instagram and on Snapchat. They're big about the following, and if they're in that energy place of having a need for the following, we now have to empower them to get the tools they need to bring up the followers. Amen. Amen. I have a comment. Lorena mentioned that they had a youth group last Friday night and they used Zoom and used cahoots for their games. And Amazing. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. And I think that during this time, we need to leverage technology. Yeah. I'll give you two examples. Um, my, my grandmother celebrated, and hopefully I get the year right, because she's, she's up there, 95 years, 95 mm -hmm. years. And because of the social distancing, we couldn't have a party and mm -hmm. we had a Zoom party all the family members, everyone got on and we, you know, encouraged her, you know, thanked her for, you know, everything that she's done. And we used the technology Zoom to have a Zoom party. It was finding unique ways to use the technology. And I think that as youth leaders, as, as, as youth groups, that's what you have to do. You just have to find unique ways. 
And there are a lot of things out there. You know, they mentioned cahoots, you know, we mentioned Zoom. There are a lot of online activities, things that you can just Google and find that you can use within your youth group and have interactive online sessions, you know? So it's really taking the time to use, and let's be honest, the youth leaders, they're, they're I would think that either them or the youth are up on the technology. Yeah. They know the things and the tools that are out there. It's just making the effort to really utilize them, learn a little bit more about it if you need to, and, and use it to share the gospel effectively with the young people. That's good stuff. Amen. All right. So again, if you have any questions, be sure to post them in the comments on Facebook and YouTube. We can see them and we will be sure to address them. I'm going to go to another question. And I want to bring out about this question. I think it's an interesting question. So, um, you know, the scripture talks about there's nothing new under the sun. This pandemic is not new. This recent pandemic is new to us and our generation. But in 1918, we had the influenza epidemic where the same thing was happening. So the question I have is what lessons can we learn from the 1918 influenza pandemic? What lessons can we learn individually as leaders in the body of Christ? And really just examining what the church response was during that time and how the church was able to effectively move and minister during that time. So I'm going to first start off with you, Dr. Henson, if you could just answer that question. You know, that's a great question. And that was actually one of my favorite questions on here because, you know, with, with you guys being Church of God of Prophecy, I'm Church of God. We share the same history here and uh, 1918. Uh, you know, if you think about it, the, the movement was only, what, 20, 30 years old at the time. Very young movement. And they their churches, they weren't having church. Right. They, mm -hmm. they weren't able to everything that we're having that happened right now. They, they happened to them as well. Only they didn't have technology. Right. They didn't have this opportunity uh, to, to do this. So the first thing I think it teaches us is that the church will survive. Mm, yeah. Amen. No matter what, you know, Jesus teaches us in Matthew 16. He says, you know, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I love that passage because it's talking about the big C church. Right. There, there may be some little C churches that really struggle and they may not make it because and it doesn't matter what size they are. Right. Because maybe they didn't. Uh, and adjust to the what's happening here, but the church is going to make it. We're going to be okay, and and you know, we, of course, we're praying for the return of Christ. But if He continues to delay, the church is going to make it. The church will continue to move forward, and, and we need to understand something. As I looked at this, I started thinking uh, in my mind uh, of we're talking about 1918. We are we're, we're sitting in the middle of, of World War One. All that's taking place, right? So you had World War One, then you had the Great Depression. And then you had World War II. The point is, this isn't going to be our last crisis. Mm -hmm. And, and to, what I feel like when I think about this kind of stuff is that the church, the church of the living God, not the little C church, but the church as a whole, mm -hmm. we are made for crisis. Man. We are made because of faith is resilient. Hope is resilient. Trust is resilient. And this is not going to be the last crisis that we have to face. You know, it's just a, it's going to be one in a series of because Jesus told us that this would be the case, right? As we get closer, and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, there'll be more and more of these things. And so we, again, I have to go back to our very first question here, which was, do we want to go back to normal? Do we want to ever go back to where we were? Because the church should never want to go back to normal. And you did not see that in the, the church. They did not go back to normal. 
They still ministered to their communities. They still ministered as, as families. They, they, and I'm a big fan of the house church. Love house churches. I think they're the coolest thing ever. If it was up to me, that I think every church should have house churches. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's what happened. Now, how did the church survive? They survived in the house church. Amen. They, they, they just existed differently. And we shouldn't be afraid of existing differently. We should not be afraid of crisis. That's listen. Crisis is a part of what we're going to face from this point forward. It, 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 I believe as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ, it'll be COVID nineteen today. It'll be another earthquake. It'll, it'll be another tornado because all this has been happening over and over and over again. And and so I think we need to prepare ourselves for the fact that the church will survive anything because faith in it by its nature is resilient. And, and I think that's the most important part of all of this. Amen. All right, Alric. Yeah, um, so, you know, um, I think I like about where we're at right now is that I, um, I realize how much the church have to um, reimagine um, how much focus we spent in the past on branding our, our own ministry. Yeah. I think for we were, we were trending so, so heavily in a season where each church was bringing out their own identity and their own style, mm-hmm. which is okay. Right, but I think that in that same trajectory of doing, we lost the, the power of community, right? Mm. Um, I'm not sure how many pastors now are talking with the other pastors in their zip code, right? As to how are we doing with this? And how is membership gonna be for us? And what, what strategies are you using to get in touch with your people? Like, how are you keeping your members together? What creative um, ideas you're using? And so, when that happens, um, when we get into a place you know, where we've lost community, um, I realize that um, we don't have, um, even now we're talking about the young people, um, if, we, if we were so in sync with technology, like there's so much challenges going on online now, we have like, you know, um, Old Testament song challenge, we have like, you know, sing-off challenge, and then something happened where um, Tyler Perry went online and he started, we have the whole world in, in oh, the and in less than a few hours that the challenge began, it was a featured point on CNN, the very night, right? The world now caught into that message. And I'm like seeing that, you know, wow, I wonder if the church would have started something so powerful that was so spread in our community, right? I'm not thinking that, you know, now we're entering into um, Good Friday. If all the pastors were communicated in your, in your circle, when the, when the, when the, we could get up like 5 a.m. in the morning and everybody put their head through the window and we're singing a song of praise in the earth, you know, because churches are always built around your community, you know what I mean? And how could we get our people to have a voice in the earth, even though we're in our separate places, you know what I mean? Even, even if we're not hearing each other, how could we say, um, when we come to Good Friday at 12 o'clock, the whole church across the nation will stop and pray that day for God for healing. And so even on a local level and then on a national level, I'm awaiting an announcement where with the body of Christ we become united and say no matter what religion we are from, no matter what church um, our pastors are from, we're going to unite as a country on this day and have a national day of prayer over this situation for healing for those who are mourning. And I don't see the church yet rising up in that atmosphere. Some pastors are still waiting to get back in the building. I hear pastors are planning the after party that, oh my goodness, when I get back in church, you know, we're going to run around, we're going to praise God. That's good. You know, we can celebrate as we want. But I'm saying now that we are here in this place, 
how are we going to unite better as leaders with mm -hmm. our community partners and get connected to global um, um, communities so that we could trigger a conversation like, let's shut this country down. Let's put our offering place together and buy a slot on CNN and have 10 minutes where the mm. church will live on oh. Good Friday. Amen. I love that. Yeah, I, have, I've, I agree with both of you. So first with Dr. Henson, I don't know if you've heard of Francis Chen, but he yeah. was a, a pastor. He pastored a church in California, a huge church, I think over 5,000 members and probably even more. Um, and he completely got rid of the church and created this concept of home churches yeah. uh, where he has a, a church about of about 10 people in a home. You minister to them. You speak to them during the week. You have your own um, Sunday services amongst each other and you train and disciple people within those 10. And then they have to then go out and start their own home church. And that was the concept he created. And they have a map or something that they use to stay connected with the greater global community. But he felt that this was one of the greatest needs of the church. Yeah. So much so that he dismantled his, his, you can almost call it a mega church, over 5,000 members. He dismantled his church to bring forth this. So I think that, you know, you're right. Spending time with your family and in your home and using those sort of small group can really help the church to be effective. And technically right now, you can't have more than 10 people congregate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's one way, you know, that we can do it. And, you know, I agree that, you know, we're using social media, there's so much that we can do with it, you know, and I think we should be able to leverage those things. Yes, yeah, kind so, of what Eric was talking about, you know, you have, um, it, we, we were in a, a, a rut of building our own kingdoms. And, and this is an opportunity for God to say, okay, now it's time for you to start building the kingdom again. Hmm. You know, and, and that's really what it's about. You know, we we have we've we've got to get back to that. I was we have this little small group. We call it Pastors on Fire. It's a group of various yeah. denominations that get together, and it was a couple Pentecostal, a couple of this, a couple of that, and a couple of Lutheran guys, a couple of Episcopalians. Yeah. It's a very interesting group. I'm not going to lie. Well, well, we have been talking this crisis through. We're just sitting at you know, the Lutherans are trying to figure out how to do communion because theologically. It just ruptures their idea of communion. Mm -hmm. uh, and they struggle, of course, with technology and all these kinds of things as well. And 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 uh, you know, so I went over there and helped them. I was trying to help one of the pastors do their technology. Don't agree with him theologically. Who cares? Come together, just help him video his sermons. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. If I like it or not. But one of the one of the jokes we made because you know they're big Martin Luther guys. You know, and if you're from the the Pentecostal or Baptist perspective, you are really an Anabaptist. You would believe in believer's baptism. And we made the joke. I said, can you believe some Lutherans and some Anabaptists can get together and there's no bloodshed? And, and the, right. the whole idea is that we can come together now because we have a common purpose and it's to continue to let the, the gospel go forth. We may not agree theologically on everything, but if we can make the main thing, the main thing again, get back to Jesus right. Christ and him crucified, right? It, you know, it doesn't matter if we agree with the style of music or, or, or you know, the way it should be done. But if, if we really get back to Jesus, what oh, what a difference that will make. Amen. Well, it looks like we are out of time. But before we leave, I want to take the time to make a few announcements. And I'm also going to give our panelists some time to also just to let you know how you can reach and connect with them and some things that they may have going on.
So bear with me just a second. All right, so our organization, the Church of God of Prophecy, we have just uh, implemented an online course. Now this course is for youth leaders, for young ministers, those who are now just responding to the call of God. And this course explores um, many of the different things that will help strengthen you as you begin this journey in ministry. So I'm encouraging youth leaders, um, um, young ministers, young pastors, those who are even interested in leadership and church leadership, take this course. You can see the link on the screen and I'm gonna be sure to post it in the comments on Facebook and on YouTube. I encourage you to go out. It's at cblcogop.org. It's yes, responding to God's call and it's absolutely free. There is no charge for this course. It's free. I wanna also point out that on April 24th to the 26th, our International Youth Ministry for the Church of God of Prophecy, we're having a global serve day. Now we know we're in social distancing, but there's still ways in which you can serve your family, you can serve your local church, and you can serve your community. And if you wanna find out ideas on how you can help to serve during that weekend, go to globalserveday.com to have ideas and post the things that you're doing so that we can collectively see all the ideas and what people are doing. I'll give you one quick example. Our international youth director, Kirk Rising, him and his daughter who has gone to fashion school are developing the face mask, fashionable face mask, and then donating them to hospitals that are in need of those face masks. Um, for myself, I was you know, contemplating what can I do? And I was seeking the Lord and praying, asking God, what can I do in this time? How can I best use the skills and the talents that you have given me to help those in need? And the Lord began to give, give me the idea of having live seminars. So I'm giving consultation, free 30 minute consultations to pastors, to ministers, to youth leaders, all of those who are interested in doing live streaming. So if you're, you wanna do live streaming with your youth group, whether through Zoom, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Instagram Live, Microsoft Teams, all the various platforms, Twitch, if you're interested in knowing how to set up live streaming, I am opening myself, I'm making myself available April 24th to the 26th for free 30-minute consultations. If you're interested in it, go to ajdailyreach.com, go to the booking se section, and be sure to put in your contact information and I'll reach out to you and schedule a time. You can also reach me on Instagram at ajdailyreach. Again, this is open to anyone. It's not just our church organization, but anyone, you know, we talked about, you know, effectively working together to bring forth the gospel, you know, regardless of denomination. And the goal is that in this time, in this pandemic and beyond to effectively bring forth the gospel. And I want to help in any way I can to do that. All right. I'm going to then um, ask our panelists, you know, to just, you know, let us know if there's anything that you want to sort of promote or, you know, let people know where they can reach you at. All right, you're up, man. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I was just going to say the same thing. Pastor, um, <laughs> um, so I, my Facebook page is um, I am power. Um, I E M P O W E R. So if you go on Facebook and you type in I am power, you'll find my um, my company page. Right now, I have um, since since I don't have speaking engagement, I have transformed my company into a prior line. Mm. So I am. Spending this time in my company just to pray for my clients, right? And to pray for the people who have 
page. So if you come and see a lot of videos, I'm not, I, it's not a ministry, but indeed it could be my ministry if I want to put it that way. But um, my business belongs to God. And I believe in time like these, I must respond to God's people from his heart. Um, so um, like what um, AJ was saying, if you're a church, with, if you're a pastor on this um, line um, or you're a church leader, I uh, my day job, like I say, I'm a school counselor um, and I, I, my, my focus in my school district is um, I'm a social and emotional coach. I do a lot of trainings with teachers and um, administrative teams on um, social and emotional learning. Um, so I know church don't get scared when they hear mindfulness, but I'm also a mindfulness coach. So I do a lot of those sessions too. So um, recently I've been using Zoom to conduct those activities and the students' response have been amazing. So if there's any pastors out there or in the um, church who have a youth department that you want me to um, come in, I'm not charging. Um, I'm not charging any fees in these times. I believe that in this time, God wants us all to be an offering, and so there's no charging fee. If you want me to engage your young people um, to just to get something different to happen in this time, like you know, a 20 minute, 30 minute mindfulness session or some social and develop and emotional development sessions. I'm willing AJ to follow your lead as well and offer those services for free. But I'm I pray every night at 10 um, p.m. on my page. Every night I'm not gonna stop praying. Sometimes I wonder if I'm not, if I'm gonna stop and God see you're not gonna stop. I'm gonna strengthen you. So every night at 10 to 11, I pray on my page with my people who come and follow. And if you want to join, you're free to join. You know, it's not I'm not taking away from your church obligation. You must honor your church first, but. If you're up in your bed and you want some spiritual connection, you can jump on my page at Empower at 10 o'clock. We're going to be praying. So once again, free mindfulness and social emotional sessions. If you want to book me through AJ and he'll get, let me know if you're interested. We can set up on Zoom and I guarantee you your people won't leave there the same. Thank you. Amen. Dr. Henson. Well, good deal, man. All right. Hey, just want to say what a great opportunity, man. I've enjoyed this. Uh, he, he's he's a wise man. I've enjoyed that. And AJ, you know, I I love AJ. He's he's brilliant. He's innovator. He's an innovator. Yeah. We need we need some innovators in these days. And I'm thankful to, for the opportunity. And so w let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm a, I'm a pastor full time, of course, and a professor, pretty much full time. I'm 100 miles an hour. Um, and so biblical studies is my background. Heavily yeah. critical analysis, those types of things. Of course, you can check out our church website. Have all of our sermons up so far. We right on the front page. Made it as easy as possible. OurCrossroads.Church. Also look it up on our Facebook page. Uh, uh, Crossroads Church, Ocala, Florida. Real simple. Uh, Crossroads Church, Ocala, Florida. Um, but look me up on Facebook as well. I do a weekly prayer, uh, an organized, structured prayer service right now. Of course, we do Wednesday night Zoom Bible studies, and we're doing a whole series on Ask the Pastor. So. If you have a question that you'd like out of scripture that you're just interested in knowing, I'm, I'm looking for new questions. And then I really want to encourage you to whatever opportunity you have to get into any kind of prayer group, do it. Uh, yeah, that's what it's really about now. I believe that's going to be the transformative uh, tool by which God ministers to people. So find a prayer group, whether it's small groups, whether it's on Facebook, pray with somebody. You can join us. I would love for you. I think I had between Facebook and, and uh, Zoom the other day, had like 70-something people uh, on an organized prayer group, and it was really cool, man. So I want to encourage you guys, if you're interested in that, just shoot me a message. I'd love to. I'll send you the invite for our prayer ministry. God bless. All right. So before we go, I want to encourage everyone that this is something that I want to do every week. So stay tuned. We're going to have another discussion 
I'd love to have the same panelists or and more panelists come and to just further discuss this topic. So be sure to tune in, look out for the scheduled Facebook Lives and YouTube Lives that we're gonna have. And I wanna ask just before we leave, Dr. Henson, if you could just pray us out. I'd love to. Father, we love you and we honor you and we thank you for being God. I just wanna first thank you for uh, the ministry of my brother Ulrich, Lord, and what he's doing. And I just pray you bless him and open doors uh, in his ministry that only you can do, God. And we just pray that he'll continue to minister emotionally to our young people. God, we just thank you for AJ. I pray a blessing upon him and his ministry that he's doing. God, I ask right now that you'll continue to further this this little this little uh may, may this be something that's contagious, this this little panel that we're doing here, that you can take this thing and just just spread it through through the contagiousness of social media, Lord. And God, we just pray right now for our nation, from our leaders, God, in, in our national government, our federal government, to our leaders and our, govern, our governors, our states, Lord, to our local governors and our local mayors and county commissioners. God, bless them today. We pray for our health care workers right now, Father. And Lord, all over our nation, God, would you just place the angels of the Lord around them to protect them, to bring healing to them, Father. God, we just commit every church and every pastor to you today, God. We pray that you'll just bless our leaders in the local church. We pray for our young people, God. Right now, God, we just ask that you will surround them with, with, with positive spiritual influences. Lord, I just pray to God that no evil thing would come against them. No evil thing would come against their minds and their hearts in the name of Jesus, God, that you will protect them from all evil influences, Lord, and that the spirit of the Lord would just comfort and, and touch them. Lord, we pray, God, as people are dealing with mental health right now and depression and discouragement, God, we just pray right now that your spirit will bring grace and strength and hope and healing to every person, both mentally, emotionally, spiritually, God. And we just ask, God, for people that are on online right now, Father, all the people that, that have been a part of this panel today that's, that's viewed and asked questions, God, you know what the needs they have are in their lives. It may be financial, it may be spiritual, it may be relational, it may be in their health, God. We just commit each one of them to you right now, God. And I just pray for healing, and I pray for transformation, and I pray for comfort and peace in each of their lives, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, I want to thank you, Dr. Henson and Alric, for joining, and I'm encouraging others to come out. We're going to continue this. So look out for the, the posts of the flyers and the scheduled lives, and I'm asking you to, to help us. Come with us, ask your questions, and we're going to continue this conversation. Amen. Again, this is the reach. We are reaching this generation. We are reaching this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I framed it the reach because about two years ago, I had this, the Lord gave me this revelation is that we have enough preachers in this society. What we need are preachers. I love that. And, and then we, we love our preachers. We love our pastors, but they're empowering us to be reachers so we can go out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So my, my heart, my prayer, and what I encourage us to do as, as believers, as youth leaders is to be reachers. God bless all those on, on Facebook Live. God bless you, Dr. Henston. God bless you, Alric. God bless all those on YouTube. And I'll see you again next week. Amen. God bless you guys. Bye, guys.